why wouldn't we? I mean, we want to be seen as the fintech's partner, brand, network of choice. If people share MasterCard's passion, its intent and commitment to the vertical, to the industry, you've got to be present. Hello and welcome to The Finterview, a show about the stories of innovators, entrepreneurs and builders shaping the future of our financial world through technology. We're going to keep finding inspiring stories to share with you, so make sure you've subscribed to the show to never miss an episode. Hi everyone, I'm Mark Hotak here, your host of The Finterview, sponsored by the Fintech Foundation and Integrated Finance. I'm joined today by a, a very special guest and longtime friend, Darren Powell, uh, Vice President of Business Development for Fintechs at MasterCard. Hey, Darren, nice to have you. Hey, I'm a pleasure. Great to see you. Thanks for the invite. So I guess, Darren, I mean, we've known each other for so long, right? I don't know how many years it is now. And and we'll, we'll go into like your career and your experience and stuff um, um, shortly. But what I've always noticed about you is how good you are at LinkedIn. I've always just, you're always there. You're always posting. You're always super positive and engaging. And I guess, how do you remain so committed to it? And and I guess on top of that is, why do you think that's so important? Interesting. I think there's, and there's, it's a, it's not an easy answer, but it sort of is too. So I'll start with the why. I mean, for me, I actually get a tremendous amount of value of sharing whether it's pure work related it might be just some thoughts maybe some moments of reflection it might be family loved ones etc etc i i just think personally i've always been of the ilk where i think it's good to talk it's good to share it's good to share experiences and i also genuinely try just to share original content things that may provoke some thought um, may make others sort of sit up, think, take a, take a moment. But, you know, let's be honest, from a selfish perspective, I get a tremendous amount of, of business from it. It's a huge source of engagement, of interest, of interaction, connections. I've built a network super, super, you know, quickly from the moment, really, LinkedIn. I remember when LinkedIn launched, and I was a huge user from day one. Um you know, and that goes back to my banking days, which maybe we'll touch on later on. Um, but for me, it's it's that ability to, to, you've got this tremendous platform to share and showcase some of the things that are perhaps important to me or things that I feel could be important to the masses. And as a result of that, there's a, there's a natural you know engagement and connection that happens and some pretty cool stuff can then translate as a result of that it's like i say to my children it's far easier to be kind and if you're able to smile and bring a smile to someone else's face it just makes the world a far better place even if in that particular moment and i appreciate that sounds cliche but i genuinely try to live and breathe that you know some people joke with me and say oh you know you're always here you're always there you go to the opening of an envelope it's like well no i wouldn't i really wouldn't because there's so many envelopes out there that we could go to and i am super selective in, in, in what I attend, and obviously, you know, like yourself, am I? You try to go to the things where you think you're either going to get optimal value, and or where you know you are based on previous experiences. So, you know, for me, LinkedIn is just a wonderful outlet and a wonderful platform 
to stay connected with a network, but also grow and enhance that network whilst hopefully doing some good stuff along the way. Yeah, that's such a, a great answer to a, I thought I was throwing you a tricky question straight off the bat, but a, <laughs> a couple of a couple of points that you, I want to touch upon what you just said is you, want, you share like not only just business stuff, you share personal stuff, right? And I, I think I think that's super important because it helps to build an element of like authenticity to you as a person and to you as a brand. And I always think at the end of the day, when you're looking to, if you're working in sort of salesy sort of roles, like people don't buy from like companies, people buy from people, right? And if you're, if you're authentic and credible and trustworthy, I think that that really helps with um, the sales sort of process. Um, What do you, do you agree with that? I guess. Wholeheartedly. I really do. I think that authenticity piece, integrity, transparency, and humility you know, it's that, Absolutely. you know, I put some stuff out there that, you, you know, is intentionally at times, it's not to be provocative, but it is to encourage people to maybe think about some of the simplicity of messages that are actually being shared. A lot of it's what we all know. I mean, it's it's, it's like a lot of things with, I don't know, life in general or, or, or coming to market with the with the product or a value proposition. Ultimately, you, everyone knows what the what the key stages are. And it's the you know it all comes down to that finessing, but sometimes it's it's just having the time to take a moment, appreciate what's around you, or maybe the challenge that's staring you smack bang in the face, but you just can't see it because you're on that treadmill of life. And you know, taking a moment to demonstrate a little bit of vulnerability, people respond to that. It's so interesting you touched upon the word that I was going to ask you about is by being so open and active on LinkedIn, do you ever feel vulnerable? And I guess if you do, how do you kind of get over that feeling of vulnerability to continue posting day in, day out? Is there ever a bit where you're like, maybe not today, I'm feeling too vulnerable or too exposed today? Yeah, I mean, sometimes, and, and, and it will depend on, I mean, if you look at the structure across my posts, as you've acknowledged, you know, there's some personal stuff, there's some, maybe some MasterCard specific things, but I also talk about wider industry, you know, I call out and shout out to the wider vertical, you know, it's, it is not just about what any one player or, or ecosystem partner is doing, you know, you, you try to be, or I try to be um, inclusive in my in my approach. But I guess, yeah, when it comes to feeling vulnerable, I feel particularly vulnerable about things that I'm really passionate about and or what are perhaps more personal to me. So some days I don't want to write a personal post, for example, so I'll mix it in with something else. Or my default position is to share a a picture, a photo of Ripley, my black sprocker, who everyone just loves anyway. And, you know, he's got his own hashtag going and all the rest of it. But He's a LinkedIn influencer on it. He is. He is. He's the the face of our local gastro pub on Insta. So he's, (laughs) you know, we're getting some royalties now and some, you know, some discounts and stuff. But, you know, I just, but, you know, for me, it's about just picking your moment and being being comfortable with that moment i think you know the vulnerability element also spurs me on too it's a driver it's a catalyst and a want to to do more but it's about never forcing that agenda either 
it's just like I'm putting some stuff out there. I, I, I feed off the comments and the reactions and the, the DMs that sometimes follow. And it's like, do you know what? It's very rare that you get shot down for just opening yourself up or sharing a view. Because that's all it is. It's a view. It's, it's a view of the, that's, that's my own or it's an article that perhaps I've either written or for personally or maybe just sharing other content. But it's just my view. And it's very, very rare that people re, you know, receive that negatively. But yeah. I think it, it, it takes a brave stance initially to say to put your head above the parapet and put yourself out there. You know, like I say, I get a lot of jokes when people are like, oh, man, you, you live your life through LinkedIn. Well, I sort of do and I don't. Um, but ultimately, I get tremendous value from it personally as well as professionally. Yeah. Again, some interesting points. I mean, people say you live your life through LinkedIn. I mean, what you see on social media in general is just a, a fraction of what goes on kind of behind the scenes of every person's life. And I think people sometimes forget that. But then also that element of bravery and, and putting your head above the parapet, as you said, like, I feel like what you're, everything you're saying is a microcosm of what it's like to be a founder, that element of exposing yourself to vulnerability and continuing to put yourself out there, no matter how you're feeling, continue to show up and work hard, despite the negative comments or the knockback or the criticisms of your ideas that may come. Just being able to work through those mental challenges is such a large part of i think being an early stage founder and those skills are so easily replicable i think yeah i'd agree i mean you know people will be wondering perhaps where me and the word founder um and mastercard where, 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 you know where i work today fit in but i think for me you know number one i have done my own thing in the past um Admittedly, obviously, I don't do that now, and there's good reasons for that, and numerous reasons for that. But I think I'm also one of probably the most frustrated entrepreneurs in the world. Um, that said, I look to myself very much as an entrepreneur um, because working where I do and doing what I do enables me to play a part in a founder's business and a startup's business and the wonderful world of fintech and the pace and energy and excitement that comes with that and however small it may be the part that i play it's a fascinating piece and i get tremendous joy and pleasure from doing that yeah well that, that leads us quite nicely i guess on to talking about a little bit more about your experience we'll, we'll come on to your current role at, at mastercard in a bit um, and I definitely want to pick a little bit more on what your previous experience as a founder was and what you look to do. But from what I saw at the very early days, you you started off in like the banking corporate life and you slowly transitioned to you know working with startups. Talk me through about what you've noticed as part of that transition across your career. So, yeah, I mean, as you say, I mean, I was 24, 25 years in big banks, you know, across HSBC and City, always client facing and always with a with a sales slash business development bias. So I've always loved that client interaction. I've always loved being on the coal face. I've always relished the opportunity and the cut and thrust of, you know, being, you know, you know, front and center, if you like, you know, from from a from a client facing perspective. In my opinion, it was my dream job at the time. I was I was overseeing a uh, a significant division in the Middle East um, for a large bank, 
and then personal circumstances just just changed you know and they changed overnight and that resulted in me reassessing you know ultimately what what am I going to do and that resulted in me coming back to the UK um, I didn't want to go back into the banking regime for me a lot of the fun had gone out of it um, and it was becoming dare I say a little more transactional I was spending more time coaching and assessing a team of very highly skilled individuals who ultimately were having an MOT every other month that for me wasn't where it wasn't where my passion was it wasn't what I wanted to do so when I originally came back, I set up a boutique recruitment business. You know, that no, was no what, way. you know, that was what I, I founded, something I could control wholly. You know, my differentiation was 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 the personal service level. It was I recruited for what I knew, and that was in banking and insurance. Super niche, super super specific. Um and you know, a fascinating, fascinating space. But again, you know, sometimes personal circumstances coupled with timing perhaps dictate that, you know, um, I needed to get back into you know, full-time employment. Well, a particularly good friend introduced me to um, Transact Payments, where I started to work, you know, with, uh, you know, we, we share some good friends, you know, there um, together. Um, and I got to figure out what this thing called FinTech was all about and issuance. Loved it super different in terms of you know the question you asked me about the transition the pace the energy the enthusiasm the can do the partnership focus the collaboration that purpose intent impact all of these wonderful things it was like wow this is what banking was like 24 years ago you know and i've suddenly stumbled into this this arena this network of people who i don't know but everyone's prepared to help everyone's putting their hand up there's the bit i do what do you do how can we work how can we ideate how can we create these ecosystems um and then you know like i say transact payments tpl gave a wonderful platform and gave me proximity to where i am today in mastercard um and sort of leading and hopefully building and building out that business development function with, within fintech with very much a card issuance lens but of course you know in a world beyond card i act as a bit of a signpost and just bring in people into the wider mastercard franchise and bring in subject matter experts from around the business and around the globe to add meaningful credible value to conversations and it's such an important point you touched upon right there's you would You'd sometimes look at the face of it that so many of us within the industry are, for one of a better word, competing against each other. But actually, when when you delve deeper in, there is just so much collaboration going 100%. on behind the scenes. And and how important do you think that's been over the last five ten years of progressing the the space as a whole, like the industry as a whole? I think it is about you know. Is that collaboration? Is that intent? Is that it, it comes back to some of the things we've talked about already in terms of being humble enough to say, this is the bit I do and I do it really well. And yeah, you sort of look like a competitor, but there's bits where we don't really overlap and we could complement each other. And that's quite a beautiful thing and quite a rare thing where people are certainly, in my opinion, within the fintech space are very happy to strip down and say, OK, there's, there's a wonderful meal that we can put on the table and actually we can all have a fair, a, a, you know, a, a fair slice of that action. Um, and as a result, you know, the power of five versus the power of one 
is immeasurable. And the impact that that gets and the the value that that, that, that translates into the, the result and proposition that one sees in market is uh, is quite fantastic. So I think it is about, you know, what, what, what you touched on and, and started with, Amar, which is around that collaborative approach, that intent, the power of those partnerships and the acknowledgement and willingness to, to listen, to be open and to try and collectively blaze some, blaze some new trails. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the partners that I've seen that do so well are the ones that acknowledge that you can't be fantastic in everything, right? Like you're going to have your strengths. And if you're open to that humility, which you, you touched upon earlier as part of your LinkedIn, if you're, if you're able to show some humility and be like, okay, look, I'm really good at this. I hold my hands up. I'm not fantastic in area B, but actually I have a partner who is really good. Like, why don't we all do something together, right? And then you as a, a fintech or a client, you get the best of both worlds. You get best-in-class partners. We get to participate and share the pie, but at the end of the day, everyone benefits at the end of it. And I think that yeah, sort absolutely. of mentality uh, and collaboration in the space is something that's really impressed me since I've joined fintech because you hear like, you know, in other industries and stuff, people are like, no, I can do all of it and I will do all of it. And then you just, you can't do everything well. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think it's that multiplier effect, you know, it, it, it's it's what, you know, investors are looking at that, whether it's 3x, 5x, 10x, 20x. I think you get that amplification as a result of a wider collective delivering to a common goal. Exactly. Super powerful and massively underestimated. Yeah. And if you I think can grow well, the space, you'll grow your individual valuation. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And I think that will be interesting to see in, 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 you know, in the months and, you know, that follow and certainly moving into to 2023, you know, will, what impact will we see for those players that perhaps don't take that approach and are perhaps trying to be an all to all people when ultimately it's very hard to deliver a truly best in class offering if you're doing it all yourself. Yeah, in this industry, I think there's just too much to do in every vertical. Yeah. Like, like there is, unless your team is, and even if it's a thousand people or whatever, like there's always just too much in the backlog, as my team always tell me, right? Like you're, you're, I'm always like asking for new requests because every week the space moves on, client demands change on like a weekly basis. And so new requests for products and development come in, but the team are always playing catch up on the requests you made six months ago sometimes right and it's like you can't move as fast in the space if you're trying to do everything compared to if you're trying to do a few things really really well yeah and i think i totally agree but what do you want to be known for you know what are you i don't mean you Emma. i mean but what is the individual where are you going to hang your hat so to speak what are you going to focus on what's your edge what's your usp versus versus others you know, what's your edge, your niche? And I think that's going to become ever more prevalent um, as, you know, again, we move into 2023 and beyond. And who knows, maybe people are going to start to talk a lot more around, you know, profitability, return. Do you think, and this kind of question just kind of come to me and, and it may be not right, but do you think part of why 
some people try and do everything is because they're trying to find what sticks. Like, what is Maybe. their path to success? And they're not Maybe. sure, so they're like, you know, why don't we try A, B, and C, and see which is the one that really takes us to the stratosphere. Maybe, and I, and I sort of, I do get that approach too. I guess my my worry is always, how can you commit to any one thing and do any one thing particularly well when you've maybe when you're maybe looking at four or five potential strands of engagement? I, I, I that that I, I just struggle with. You know, we've all got bandwidth. You know, and and in that world where whether it's a business one is founding or one is that's that's in stealth, that's bootstrapped or whatever it may be, surely the challenge and, and 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 the real art is trying to land on where are you where are you focusing you know and then ideate and evolve of course you know that will happen you know i think you know if, if something's not working that ability to acknowledge that and pivot fast is critical but it's very hard to pivot if you've not tried to set your stall out clearly with there's my intent this is what i believe today this is what I'm going to focus on and I'm going to put my everything into it. And if it doesn't work and if, you know, the industry moves in that, then therefore I will move with it. Right. But at least I've got to try. This is my idea and, and this is what I'm going to hang my hat on, as you said. Talking about your role today and kind of what you do. And it's easy for us having been in the industry, but like, I think for a lot of people, they don't really know what MasterCard does or, and it's, all most people know is you're a, you're a logo on a card that they used to pay with. But, you know, when your kids ask you, like, Dad, what do you do? Like, who do you work for? What do MasterCard actually do? How do you explain it to them? And how would you explain it to new founders entering the industry? So I suppose it depends, right? It depends on what, initially, I asked them, you know, well, what is your view? You know, tell me, what, 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 what do you see? Um, and in answer, my answer, to, you know, the answer that I'd share today would have been different to when I'd first joined MasterCard, you know, four years ago or nearly four years ago. But certainly how I describe it today is, number one, MasterCard as, number one, first and foremost, is a technology partner, as a network that facilitates commerce, transactions and payments globally. That's one thing, okay, that's probably the core business. And what was previously called prepaid and is now fintech, you know, we have that market share and we're, one we're very proud of, but it's also something we need to be cognizant of and protective of. But from, you know, if I was explaining it to my children, you know, going back to that, those cards in your wallet or, car, or, or cards on your phone, I'm looking for, you know, ultimately I'm looking for the next, I'm looking for the next big thing, you know, from a card perspective, you know, that's my sweet spot. That's my my expertise i'm looking for who's going to be you know the next monzo revolut starling tide soldo i mean the list goes on but you know who's right. so who, many who's, successes who's, right in the last exactly five, seven years who's gonna who's gonna who, who's gonna whose brand or whose proposition is going to be the next big thing that's on everybody's lips you do so many things and you can phrase it in so many different ways and for new people entering, they're like, but do I need to work with MasterCard or do I have to work with they who must not be named in, in Visa, like your, your friends across the road? Um, and I guess, like, how do I work with them? All these sort of questions come up when, when people are entering the industry. And, and, I, and I guess I want to come back to another point you mentioned, but I guess 
is it basically then what you're saying is you, if a fintech wants to launch a branded card program where they have their their brand on a fintech debit prepaid credit card, they need to work with either yourselves or Visa or you know Discover in the US or American Express and people like you guys are very similar in what you do, right? Yeah, I mean when when you strip things away for sure. I mean there's a couple of things to pick up on there, right? I mean number one. Um, a big part of my role is to be that signpost it's to it's to it's to listen it's to be in tune with what people are doing and based on what their objectives or aspirations or requirements may be um you try and i try and layer in and the team try and bring in the right people at the right time who are subject matter experts that are going to add that credible value in conversation that someone needs to have to inform things there's also a lot that don't know what they don't know so that's on us to to try and you know facilitate some engagement some conversations maybe throw open some ideas maybe we workshop some stuff right there's lots of of different ways to to sort of if you like to get to point c if you, if you're currently at point f you know you, you, we may have to go around the houses a little bit and, and we have to be flexible and we have to pivot and we have to bring people with us. Similarly, like we talked about before, there is a lot of business out there, you know, and, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge your competition. I think it's absolutely critical to ensure that clients have choice and that they can make an informed view and an informed decision. You know, my job and the team's job really is to make that prospect or that client's decision as easy or as difficult, depending on which way you want to look at it, as possible. You know, mm. but what they will get is a consistent, holistic level of service, which is, you know, it is all encompassing. They will feel that love. They will feel that attention. They will feel that, you know, every base has been covered and there won't be any reason really why we shouldn't be selected as their as their their, their brand choice choice of network partner whatever you want to call it so i think it's it's about ex acknowledging what's the part i can play and the team and my team can play directly what's within our influence to bring in to that ecosystem but to your point, Amar, which you said a second ago, which is absolutely critical, if MasterCard is the enabler and the one that's able to grant access to products, services, capabilities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, actually the ecosystem that brings this to market could well be heavily external and outside of MasterCard, but a part, again, that MasterCard can play in facilitating those introductions. Yeah, Look at how we work, as an example. Look at where I've come from with TPL. You know, there's a processing community. There's an issuing community. There's a one-stop shop community. There's a pure bin sponsorship community. There's manufacture. There's compliance. There's program management. There's all these wonderful things. And it can be hugely overwhelming. We try to simplify that. And we try to make it manageable and break it down into bite-sized, understandable chunks where we can bring prospects with us. And like I say, whether that's card or a world beyond card, layering in potential solutions and potential partners who can help people on their journey. Yeah. 
that was a great answer. Um, and I also, you, you touched upon this again, so I, I, it would be great to kind of go into this, but collaboration we've mentioned a few times is so important. And, and, and at our job at Integrated Finance, it, that's what we try and do the most, right? It's just bring best-in-class partners together. And it, it's what we've looked to do with the FinTech Foundation, which is the new in- incubator program that we're starting for, for early-stage FinTechs and founders. Uh, and we've got a really fantastic suite of partners kind of bought into that program. Um, and I want to ask you, like, what was it that got MasterCard and I guess yourself excited about it and wanting to participate? Well, I think there's a number of things. I think the first is, and it, and it should never be lost on us, is, and we talked about it earlier on, is that it's people buy into and buy from people. So, you know, you personally were a massive part in that decision right i think you know and and that shouldn't be lost on anybody you know when you reach out when you talk with the passion that you do about the things that you're looking to do and achieve uh and how how you are you know the the piece that you're driving with integrated finance yeah people listen you know you speak you've got this gravitas you've you've got a there's a tenured record behind you, Amar, and, and, and you bring people with you. So, you know, let's just put that out there, you know, the, the value impacts that you have personally. I think the second is, why wouldn't we? I mean, we, we, we want to be seen as the fintech's partner, brand, network of choice, or at least go to, you know, um well it's far too an important an opportunity not to be a part of can we afford not to be you know is is, is right. another way of looking at it but i think you know it's it's just a great thing to do you know and if people if people share which they do my personal passion mastercard's passion its intent and commitment to the vertical to the industry you've got to be present You've got to turn up. You've got to be. You've got to be immersive in that. You've got to. You've got to commit. You've got to do all these other things. And you know, from a selfish perspective, new things will spin out. New opportunities that we would not necessarily have had access to without being a part of it. They will come to the fore. It I think when you also it links sorry, back to your uh, to the bit about LinkedIn. It's about continually just putting yourself absolutely. out there, continually show up. And for us, I mean, the the big driver and motivation of setting the foundation up was, you know, I, I you've been a founder, I, I've been a founder. We I know how hard it is. I know there was a million things I didn't know when I first joined. And if if we can give back to the next wave of founders coming in who are most likely going to be a lot smarter than me, for example, I'm really hoping that we can play a small part in their journey of building really fantastic products and, and you know, changing the industry and continuing to drive innovation. Uh, and for me, that's the exciting part of the foundation. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think, you know, <laughs> I've, uh, I've got a fair few years under my belt now. And, you know, there's some... We've all got experiences. We've all got insights we can share. We've all got some thinking that we can put out to a wider group. And to your point, 
that can only be advantageous. Now, whether people take it on board or not, that's on them. But ultimately, why wouldn't you, if you could avoid at least some of the pitfalls or some of the challenges or pinch points that others have experienced, if you can circumvent those, no doubt you'll find some others. Why wouldn't you? I mean, similarly, these the opportunity to, to be part of something, you know, like I said before, you know, my job affords me some some wonderful things in terms of being able to have super close proximity to these fintechs. Well, we can, you know, with the with the foundation, for an example, you know, we can we can realise some of those. We can we can layer in some of the, the specificities of what it is we're looking to do. We can ideate together. We can co-create, and a founder's idea in the in the foundation or what it starts like versus what it looks like six months nine months however many you know down the line could look extremely different what a wonderful thing to have been a part of and to have been able to that play that journey is the most exciting part i think right for, for us kind of being separate but there at the same time when we're not part of the obviously the company or the the startup but being a small part of that journey is so exciting to see that progression and growth of idea for sure and I think just having some, uh, maybe mentorship is too strong a word, but having an ally or someone, counsel, sounding someone boards. can lean upon. Sounding boards, right. What a powerful thing that is. I mean, that that's not to be underestimated either. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then in terms of like MasterCard and your strategy, right, you've, you've touched upon a few times that you speak to so many fintechs, right? And yep. what is your strategy in deciding who you want to work with, who you want to support. And and it's kind of a multi-layered question in that. Are there specific red lines where like this vertical, crypto, other high-risk services, big no-no, geographies potentially, or is it just, you know, ideas? Like if you don't like the sound of the idea, if you don't see it has legs, you're like, we're not willing to support that. Like what's your and MasterCard's approach to when you speak to founders? So I think there's a couple of things, right? The first, first and foremost is um, we are, MasterCard is 100% open for business. MasterCard is not there to say that's going to work or that's not. That's not our role. You know, of course it's not. Um, where we may look to, um, you know, support and, you know, whether that's, you know, commercially, whether it's from a product, asset, time perspective, all those sorts of things, that's a very different conversation because it's a case of where there's that edge, niche, maybe it's new technology, maybe it's something extremely new that all the competition are clamoring over to try and get to. You know, it's not for us to determine you know, I often say this, and it's not, it, it, it's not meant to sound sort of crass, but it's not for us to determine which horse to back. Right now, the intent is we back everything that we possibly can. You know, things Brilliant. take time, as you know. You know, things take time to form, to scale, to, to, to truly push into, whether it's cracking one market or crack, cracking multiple. There's a journey that that needs to go on. We're not... We're not short-sighted. We have to look at this with with, with a long-term lens. And resultantly, you know, all business is there to be considered, to be informed, and it's a wholly tailored and bespoke approach throughout. 
we will. I think yeah, that's I, gonna we be, will talk to everything. I think that's going to be music to the ears of all the founders listening today. That no matter what your idea is, Mastercard aren't there to vet or validate whether it's a right Absolutely idea. Not. Your gatekeepers or custodians of an industry, and your your job is therefore to support the new entrants and new ideas coming into the industry, right? Uh, and yourselves and Visa are, are probably two of the longest incumbents or gatekeepers or, or custodians of this industry, right? A hundred percent. And and again, I'm I'm certainly talking from a from a UK and Ireland viewpoint, but I think we can talk globally as well. Of course, there are other players, and you've you, you've referenced a few of those names already today. But you know, I see us as we're, we're enablers. Yeah, you know, we're we're enablers of wider ecosystems to the point we mentioned earlier on. You know, if if they require a, which they will do if they're looking to launch a card, for example, a regulated entity that's going to get that card out into the market. It's that regulated entity that needs to be comfortable with what they're doing and looking to do, and and, and are they bought in, yes or no? That's where that one, that's where that comes down. Ultimately, if some of the things that they're looking to do sort of says, oh, actually, you know, that's we want to find out a little bit more about that. What else? What what is there? Maybe a bigger part for, in this case, Mastercard to play. Then we'll inform that accordingly. Brilliant. I want to ask you um, a, a difficult question next. Uh, so strap on. Launching a card program is complicated, one, but it's super expensive too. And MasterCard as a company are not cheap to work with. And so another multi-layered question in the sense of why is it so expensive to launch a card program for all the founders that are listening? Like where do all these tens of thousands or twenties of thousands of setup costs and monthly maintenance costs come from and then after and second to that is what support can you give to founders or do you give to founders looking to launch card products because they don't necessarily have all the time millions upon you know starting their company and you know if they're spending a hundred grand on setup fees and you know 20 grand minimums with mastercard for year one like that's a large chunk of their budget so what what sort of initiatives or supports are there so i think you know it's a it's an impossible question to give a blanket approach answer to and that because that and that would be remiss and wrong and i think you know no founder should ever expect to get a blanket response to that sort of a question either because to my earlier point there's a tailored approach and and a bespoke approach to all opportunities and the evaluation of those opportunities right but i think you know card issuance is costly you know typically it's going to be a partner ecosystem i.e they're not going to bring that card to market in their own right as a principal member or as an issuer and as a result you know ultimately there are a lot of parts of that value chain whether it's the regulated entity whether it's a processor whether it's card manufacturer that's before you even think about you know what are the associated costs from a project, from an integration, from an implementation viewpoint? There are a lot of part stages of that process. It is complex. It is time consuming. It, there is huge infrastructure and resource, which is why it's a beautiful path to tread when you look to engage with partners to bring and realize that card, pro- that card proposition. That said, it's still expensive. and good reason for that because that card can also be a huge 
complementary piece or it might be integral to the proposition but adding stickiness to a client base you know there's things you can obviously do with the kind of loyalty reward etc etc but ultimately you know if the question is is mastercard receptive to understanding what can what can we as a network do to support new propositions enter the market it's a resounding yes of course yeah and having worked with you before i know and i've seen firsthand the support and receptiveness and openness that mastercard and visa always offer to young startups to try and get them out and validate their idea but i guess you know what you've touched upon is is important for founders listening it is complicated and it is hard to launch it a is. card program and, you know, right? you, because you've, you've is, got to make sure that customers are protected and there are therefore hoops to jump through at the end of the day yeah and this is hopefully some of the value that we can explore further with the foundation because you know i could talk we could talk about card and delivery and market readiness etc cetera, etc cetera, um in a lot of detail and there's probably a session in itself there in terms of absolutely key considerations what that could look like etc etc um but you know let's not be that, that there is a reason why when you we look at the market today from a fintech support and enablement viewpoint and the market share that mastercard has there is a reason for that and that's not said arrogantly no i mean i've been a founder as i've said and i've been through the process and it's hard and you know working with mastercard in my in my previous role i found it to be engaging i found you guys super engaged for such a large corporate you know you would expect significant amount of red tape and bureaucracies and committees to go through approvals but actually i found you and your team were super agile um in getting stuff approved and, and working with us to allow us to innovate uh, and i thought that was such a brilliant experience um, working with you guys previously and part of the, obviously you know as as integrated finance putting my if hat on for a minute i mean the the fact that you just outlined how hard it is to launch these products and then when you think about a card it's just one piece of the pie right as as we've talked about there are a dozen other partners you may want to work with to launch a full neo banking product that's part of our reason to tear right about why we exist it's helping fintechs get off the ground easier quicker get to market hopefully cheaper as well and and that's a big part of the foundation right and how how quick can we get these fintechs to market get them validating their ideas and in the hands of their end users because only then will they really know this will work this won't work this is how i need to pivot this is how i need to double down on this idea and um it's a it's a super exciting project to be working with you on absolutely and and again that's where we try and and and, and show that that edge that commitment that pace that energy that desire to to want understand the proposition and then as importantly what's the part we can play to ultimately optimize what it is one is what is trying to deliver yeah i just have a couple more questions for you um and one is we've talked about what mastercard can do with the support of a card program but there's a lot more products you guys kind of offer behind the scenes you've, you've kind of touched upon rewards and loyalty and you have you know mastercard priceless which i think you even did a linkedin post about today or the other day Yep, 25 is, years. Yeah. What is one product that you guys have 
which you're thinking this is such a no-brainer. Every fintech should leverage this product, but just not enough fintechs do. Ah, oh, that's that's a hard one. I mean, we've got over we've got over four hundred and fifty, over five hundred products, right? I mean, what's right for one fintech isn't right for another. Um, and I think again, that's the beauty of this space. It's it's that tailored approach. It's truly understanding, you know, what what are the levers, what are the key drivers, where's the fit? You know, I think if 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 one looks at, at that blanket approach, you know, what's the one product that's fit for everybody? Where's the differentiation? Right, and so you. So I'm sitting on the fence. <laughs> sitting on the fence, very eloquently, but and I guess you know, I mean, it, it's a conversation we can go into more detail another day. But like, you've fintechs these days, and probably the ones you're seeing, there's an element of hyper focus, right, on specific demographics, and it allows them to then tailor their products for that demographic. And is that where you think? fintechs need to move to and and that's their folk they should focus on solving niche for certain demographics or do you think there is an element of a new monzo revolute starling coming in and capturing large swathes of the market across different demographics i i think that's a super challenge you want to answer right because yeah we need some data points and some insights to underpin that you know the the evolution and role of this of the super app you know for example i mean how crowded can it, can a space get? Question. Don't know. Don't know the answer to that. But certainly, from what I am seeing, is things are getting more niche. They're getting more specific to target a particular use case or demographic. Um, and I, but I do think linked to what you were asking before of what's the one product? Maybe not product, but certainly asset that is within Mastercard's armory that could help inform the question you've just asked is looking at the power and value of Mastercard's data and services sort of division. So old money, advisory, consultancy, but it's so much more than that, you know, in terms of um, everything is underpinned by by data, as that D in, in the DNS sort of suggests. Um, that could really be a differentiator for fintechs uh, whether that's scaling fintechs, fintechs already in market, those that are new to market, those in stealth, there is a tremendous value there that could be realized with the support of MasterCard Data and Services. I think that's an interesting point because no matter what industry you're in, data is so valuable. It's a gold mine, right? And if you know how to harness that data, well, one, if you can get access to the right level of data, and if you then, if you know how to harness it and get insights from it, your potential benefit is kind of off the charts when you think about it. Absolutely. Brilliant. And then for my very last question for you today, Darren, um, you've, you've, you support founders on a daily basis. You speak to dozens if not hundreds of founders every month if you were to become a founder again what would your business do wow i mean that is a tough question um what would my business do i'd be focusing a lot on in terms of the i'd be looking at from a purpose i'd, I'd be looking at the purpose and impact segment right um and whether that's looking at angles of inclusivity and inclusiveness in terms of approach 
or whether it's actual trying to continue to focus on bridging that 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 sort of digital divide in terms of financial literacy financial education i would be looking at some sort of an application around that in terms of how we can continue to to bridge that divide because even in the uk there's there's a scary number that from a financial education perspective let alone the financially marginalized excluded i think you know there is a huge part to, to, that remains to be played to help close in that gap. Inspiring, very inspiring, Darren. Thank you for that. I hope one day you, you get your opportunity to realise a dream and, and solve a, an everyday problem that loads of people face. You've got to be brave. I'm just not sure I'm brave enough, but I'd like to think I would be one day. <laughs> wow, what a story. We really hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I'm sure you've heard about Integrated Finance's exciting fintech foundation incubator, where new fintech founders can come and get exclusive access to a core banking technology stack, business mentors, and it's backed by some of the leading fintech partners and investors, such as Mastercard, Currency Cloud, Comply Advantage, Infuse, 500 Global, Supersea Ventures, Octopus Ventures, and many more. If you have an idea to shake up how financial services are done today, Find out more about how to join us at incubator.integrated.finance. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss the next amazing episode. Take care.